Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Dr. Zainab Chowdhury. Dr. Chowdhury is a, Dr. Chowdhury is a spokeswoman and Maryland outreach manager for the Council on American Islamic Relations, known as CARE. They are the nation's largest Muslim civil rights and advocacy organization. She serves on the board of Interfaith Action for Human Rights. She's also its uh, liaison to Shoulder to Shoulder. They're an interfaith initiative formed to counter anti-Muslim sentiment here in America. Dr. Chowdhury, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon and welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Uh, the president visited for the first time in his presidency a U.S. mosque. Uh, first of all, as you part of the Muslim community, uh, know that the president spent time in Indonesia, um, definitely knows uh, Islam, has spoken out against prejudice against Muslims. Are you surprised that this was the first visit and it took so long in his presidency the last year for him to visit a mosque in the United States? You know, this is something that has been a point of contention uh, among Muslim leaders and with Muslim organizations for many years now. Uh, we know that the president has spoken out forcefully against Islamophobia and against intolerance and bigotry towards Muslims. Um, but we know that post-9-11, President Bush visited a mosque, and that act was uh, credited for having to um, diminish the, kind, the amount of backlash towards the Muslim community. Uh, and it, it's taken seven years for President Obama to make that same gesture, uh, visiting a U.S. mosque. Uh, we know he's visited mosques abroad. Um, I mean, of course, we, we are glad that he did take the step, and the American Muslim community is pleased overall, uh, because the message, especially that he um, delivered at the mosque yesterday, was very um, powerful. But um, it, it, we do wish it had come sooner. Uh, Dr. Ch- uh, Dr. Chaudhry, there are people, when you talk about backlash, that you know, were going nuts that the president visited a mosque. They started to try to discredit the mosque, say that they had extremist connections. Um, you know, Josh Ernest, spokesperson for uh, the president, press secretary, said, you know, absolutely not true. But there were also cries out even from liberals and, and Democrats that the president was visiting a mosque where they had – you know, they weren't in favor of gay marriage. And my first reaction was neither are the majority of churches or synagogues in the United States. Yeah, you know, the White House has, um, has issued a statement saying that they weren't surprised, <clears throat> excuse me, that they were expecting this kind of response. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and I, I can tell you, um, I'm sure many Muslims, including mosque leaders, were also anticipating some kind of um, you know, negative reaction, uh, and especially from some right-wing media outlets that have painted uh, the mosque in a negative light and have tried to uh, dig up some information that um, is deemed 
questionable. I mean, I, I personally cannot speak to the politics of the mosque. I'm not on the board or on the council, and I can't give you any detailed information, but this is definitely one of the um, largest mosques in the mid-Atlantic region. Uh, it has been established for several decades, over two decades now, and it, it, it really has, it's a place of security and it's a safe haven for the community there. Um, it, it, you know, they have a clinic, they have a medical clinic, they provide care to people who cannot afford it, not just Muslims, but anybody who cannot afford it. Um, and they, you know, they're, they have strong relationships with their interfaith uh, partners and allies in the region. Um, and they, they have known, been known to have open houses and they've conducted outreach to diverse faith communities. Um, these kind of attacks aren't really surprising. I think any, t- any mosque that the president would have picked, we would have seen some kind of similar reaction from, you know, different groups and organizations. That, and that's sad. You know what I mean? In, in a nation where we have a First Amendment and freedom of religion and a nation that prides itself on diversity and, and not just with color and culture and ethnicity, but also uh, with religion, that, that's really sad that in 2016 we have such bigotry, such prejudice, and such hatred, especially uh, toward uh, the Muslim community. Um, you know, I think it points back to the message that the president was making during his visit yesterday of uh, – working to get to know each other better and uh, dispelling some of the misconceptions and fear that, you know, fuel this bigotry that promotes more hatred and intolerance. Um, I, I think that it ties back into that, you know, that message and the, you know, the importance of that message, especially at this time in our nation's history. Do you think that the president visiting the mosque, uh, you know, in addition to being symbolic, obviously, and, you know, physically showing where he stands, uh, backing up things that he has said in the past. And with the words that he used yesterday, speaking about tolerance, speaking about how Muslims are doctors and firefighters and police officers and teachers. In other words, they're, you know, they are part of the fabric of this nation and part of what makes this nation great. Do, do you think that fell on deaf ears for those that have a negative view of Islam and of Muslims? You know, you could sense from uh, from some segments of the president's remarks that he, his message was directed not just to the American Muslim community, but also to non-Muslim Americans who um, may not know much about Islam or Muslims or who get a lot of their information from biased sources that don't paint an accurate picture of who we are and what we believe. Um, and it, I think he did a very good job of, of portraying the similarities between the diverse religions and showing that Islam historically has been a part of our country since its founding. Um, I think that the reference that he made to uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Quran, the copy of the Quran, the Muslim holy book that he had, and the kind of allegations that he also um, faced similar to President Obama, that he was uh, Muslim because of the fact that, you know, he, um, I'm not sure exactly why, but there were allegations apparently, that he was also Muslim. I think these kind of anecdotes really helped to send a message to uh, Americans who are not Muslim that, you know, Islam is not as foreign as we might th- as you might think it is. Um, we know that some, uh, sur- some surveys have indicated that up to 50 or 60 percent of the American population have never met a Muslim that they're aware of. So there are pockets where there are individuals um, in pockets of the re- uh, or regions across the country who've never met a Muslim before or who haven't directly interacted with Muslims. And I think when we open up the dialogue and we establish lines of communication, it's the most effective way to eradicate that fear that 
we might harbor towards people that we don't know or who we don't understand. Um, so hopefully his message reached uh, some people. I don't think it's going to convince very many people or everybody, um, but even if it reaches one person and, you know, that one person's perspective has changed, I think that it was a success. Oh, I, I agree with you. If just one person says, I'm going to go out and meet a Muslim today. The other thing is I want to point out that there's the president's motivation, in my opinion, for this was entirely pure. He's not running for re-election. He doesn't have to pay the Muslim community back. The Muslim community is less than 2% of the population in the United States. And he said, quote, let me say as clearly as I can, as president of the United States, you fit right here. Um, he also talked about you're right where you belong. You're part of America, too. You're not Muslim or American. You're Muslim and American. And he spoke about things that I have heard about, even, which is children that are Muslim, fearful that if Mr. Trump becomes president, that they will have to leave their home, the only home they've ever known. These are real fears, and he spoke about this. Being that you're a part of the Muslim community, Doctor, um, could you know? Could you talk to us about you know? Sometimes I think people see individuals like ISIS, think they are Muslim, which I do not believe they are, uh, and obviously not practicing Islam, which does not uh, condone uh, murder or suicide. Um, or hatred. And, uh, you know, I I just want people to understand that when somebody, you know, says they hate a Muslim, it is not some faceless person under a burqa. It it is not uh, just somebody uh, with a, you know, maybe a mask, like an ISIS member or, you know, a turban, so so they think, and a beard. There are children. And seriously, I wish that you guys would do, the Muslim community would do a PSA. I'm a Muslim, I'm a Muslim, because I... I've seen Muslims here in Southern California that, you know, are blonde and have green or blue eyes and, you know, they're light skinned and they look like supermodels and they're not covered. And I say that because I I think part of not knowing and, and, you know, part of the ignorance of a community or of a religion, you know, includes uh, stereotypes um, that are not accurate stereotypes. So could you could you speak to this, the stereotypes and also um, to the children? Because to me, it's abusive. It's emotionally and verbally abusive what the United States is doing to Muslim children in this country. You know, you're absolutely correct. Uh, we, we know that there's pockets of bad people in every group, right, in every religious group or non-religious group. There's, there's always going to be some bad apples. Um, the danger is that when those bad apples are allowed to define the narrative for that entire faith group, uh, we have over 1.5 billion Muslims in the world. And terrorist organizations like ISIS and Boko Haram and, you know, al-Shabaab or what have you, they represent a very tiny fringe minority of those 1.5 billion Muslims. Um, The vast majority of Muslims have categorically rejected uh, these terrorist organizations. They do not reflect or represent our religion or our ideals. Um, These are groups who have distorted the religion to advance their own agenda. And unfortunately, because of a combination of things, including the way that, you know, they, they are reported, their acts are reported in the media. Um, many Americans have associated these individuals with the religion of Islam. And there's a very real danger in doing that because we're allowing them to thereby define our narrative um, and essentially pit us against one another. We stand, when we stand united, we're the strongest. When we work together to defeat the forces that are trying to uh, divide us. And the reality is that this kind of rhetoric, this kind of Islamophobia and 
anti-Muslim sentiment that we're seeing nowadays, especially during the current election season, is having a very real um, impact on Muslim youth. We see that, you know, just I can tell you from outreach that I've done in the community, um, there's a very real concern amongst Muslim youth today who are struggling to reconcile both the Muslim aspect of their identity and the American aspect. Um, some kids believe that they can't be Muslim and, and American. They feel that, you know, especially listening to um, Donald Trump on, on CNN or on the news, um, you know, there's this, like, obsessive, like, news cycle that regurgitates and recycles uh, sound bites that make them question their own identity. I had one friend who told me, one Muslim friend who told me that her son told her, he said, I don't want to be Muslim anymore. And she asked him why, and he said, Muslims are bad people. And she was just heartbroken because she was thinking to herself, you know, how do I protect my son from, you know, the people who are trying to meme our religion and distort our religion and the people who are actually allowing them to do so. Um, so I think the burden is upon both the Muslim community to not allow or to speak out and not allow our narrative to be defined by these terrorist organizations, but also upon our interfaith allies and friends and neighbors and coworkers to not allow that narrative to define who Muslims are. Um, it's important to keep in mind the vast majority of Muslims are law-abiding citizens where we contribute to society in different ways. We're doctors, lawyers, first responders, teachers, um, you know, we help out to build a better society. And when we allow fear-mongering to override our better judgment, then we compromise our interests and our national security the most. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Dr. Chaudhry. Don't go away. We are back on Leslie Marshall. Our guest is Dr. Zainab Chaudhry. She is the spokeswoman of Maryland Outreach Chaudhry. Thank you. My producers in my ear. Sorry, Dr. Chaudhry. Uh, a spokeswoman and Maryland Outreach Manager for the Council on American Islamic Relations, CARE, the nation's largest Muslim civil rights and advocacy organization. Um, Dr. Chaudhry, we're going to take um, a call and let's go to the Bronx in New York with uh, Michael joining us. He is on line two. Michael, good afternoon. Question or comment for our guest. Hello, Leslie, and hello, Dr. Chaudhry. I hope I said hello. that correctly. No, it's Chaudhry, and I'm sure Mark will come jump in and tell you in a minute. But go ahead, Michael. Oh, it's a tongue twister for me. I'm so sorry. Um, I have to commend and applaud President Obama once again for leading not only by words but by example. This reminds us why he won the Nobel Peace Prize, and it also reminds us of the one word he spoke of back at his last State of the Union address, and that word is love. To combat the hate, the hateful dialogue and the hate-mongering um, that's been going against Muslims and perhaps minorities, period, but especially Muslims, um, he sits down and meets with the Muslims, and everyone is well-behaved, everyone you know, gets along, and this ought to say something. And to those so-called Christians, my fellow Christians, and so-called Christian evangelicals, they know who they are that keeps expanding on this hate. Uh, let me remind them, in the Gospels, and how this particular event bears resemblance to, and that is when Jesus himself 
sat down with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and every other so-called low-life, quote, end of quote, person that the Pharisees spoke of, they saying, oh, those people are so dangerous, you shouldn't be sitting with them. But Jesus sat down, he broke bread with them, everything was peaceful, everyone got along, and everything went well, just like President Obama sitting down. Yeah, with but wait the a minute, wait a minute. I hope you're not alluding, Michael, to the Muslim community as being, you know, the tax collectors and the other negatives of, of the biblical times of Jesus. I only thing I'm saying is that they are people also, and that we, the the thing about all this negativity, just because of person's race, their color, you know, all this has got to stop. And President Obama just clearly shown that they are people like you and me, and they are people with good hearts. And it's up to us to give them a chance as just as like they, we will want them to give us a chance. You do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And President Obama once again exhibited that very important meaning of love that we keep hearing so much about that even Stephen Wonder thinks about in his music. This is unity, and this is beautiful. All right, Michael, thank you for that. Dr. Chaudhry, did you want to uh, say anything to Michael's comment? No, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, we certainly appreciate that. I, I think many people would agree with that, not just within the Muslim community, but far beyond that. Uh, the, the beauty of President Obama's message, I think the positive aspect was that it, it really promoted religious pluralism. And we know that it's not going to solve, solve all of the issues um, and all of the concerns. We know that, you know, there are pr- promises that are still outstanding in terms of, like, closing the Guantanamo prison, uh, Bay prison system and, uh, you know, controversial policies like uh, on CVE, countering violent extremism, that still, you know, um, are points of contention that we need to work on. But this visit was definitely, and this talk was definitely a step in the right direction, and I, I certainly agree with, with your guest, with, I mean, with your uh, the caller. caller. Uh, I'm good friends with Hussam Ilouch of CARE here in Los Angeles. I'm sure you're familiar with him as well yeah. uh, because you work at CARE. And um, I told him and I told other people, my husband's, uh, my husband was raised in a Muslim family. My husband's family's Muslim. And I, I've told his extended Muslim family there are two th- three things the Muslims ought to do. I'd love to get your opinion of this, Dr. Chaudhry. Uh, one, reproduce at a big rate. And don't laugh, but, uh, you know, in the U.K., uh, Muslims make up nearly 15 percent of the population. And when you have a larger percentage of the population, you have power with your dollar and with your vote. So you have power and money in politics. One. Two. Um, and, 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 and actually, um, you know, don't be so um, – uh, be more a part of the community – although many are in the Muslim community, even more. So, for example, get to that bake sale and the PTA meeting, uh, you know, a volunteer at that soup kitchen so that more people can meet Muslims because that is part of the problem with ignorance. We've seen it with gays in the past. We've seen it uh, with Latinos. We've seen it with African-Americans. The list goes on. And then lastly, um, I said that outside of the mosque, so people don't have to cover, be segregated, take their shoes off, um, you know, there should be some kind of a carnival or something so people could be invited to meet Muslims and see that Muslims are just like the rest of Americans with ice cream and cotton candy 
sans booze, of course. Um, but uh, what do you think of my three ideas? Uh, and do not laugh at me, doctor. No. <laughs> those are three. No, those are three of my ideas because one of the problems I do believe is I think it's hard to hate somebody once you've met somebody or once you see that you're not that different than that somebody. Right. I know, and I certainly agree on that point. I think that there are, um, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's human nature to fear something that you don't understand. Or, And I think if we go back to the psychology of it, which is like an entirely different discussion, and I might get off topic going down that route, but if we get down to the psychology of it, hatred is caused oftentimes by fear, and we often fear what we don't understand or what we don't know or what we misunderstand. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, you're absolutely right that if we break down those, you know, walls and get to know one another, we realize we have a lot more in common than we do what divides us. Absolutely. I don't know I if I with you. Do- Dr. Dr. Chaudhry, thank you for joining us. Dr. Zainab Chaudhry, the website for care is C-A-I-R.com. And on Twitter, follow her at Zainab, Zainab N-C, Z-A-I-N-A-B-N-C.